0: I'm Andy, if you don't know who I am online, uh, you certainly know everyone in the room, Um, although there's Priscilla, I've never met you before, so it's lovely to see you and meet you. Hi there, Uh, in the room, wonderful that someone that joined us online is now with us in the room, which is great to see. Um, Hopefully many of you, uh, I hope all of you um, will get the chance, hopefully many of you have heard a message I brought two weeks ago, which I believe was a message of prophetic purpose for the church, and I don't do that for my ego, It, it felt Yes, God is trying to speak to us, and so I brought it. It's now online, it's on YouTube. If you didn't see it, I'd encourage you to um, look at it or watch it. Um, but it was about the two T's in the name Christ first. Um, Aaron re- reflected again on this last week. I want to bring it back uh, one more time. I think it's important. The God was calling us to be a double T-shaped people. Um, that's about sort of deep and wide, the shape of a T, as it were, and... The first T was about being deep in the Word and under the authority of the Word of God. We need to be that church that says the Word of God is paramount and we come under its authority. We don't look at it and decide what of it we like and what of it we want to challenge. We come under its authority. If we don't understand something, we pursue, we dig in deep to understand because the Word of God is inerrant. And we're also to be wide in the gifts of the Spirit. We want to see a broad Spectrum of the amazing gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like it's not just, to, oh, if we just had healing. No, if we had healing, prophecy, words of knowledge, wisdom, if we had the fruits of love, you know, all these things, self control, all these things in the church. We what want the breadth of what the Spirit, uh, spiritual gifts and fruits uh, have to offer. And they're not a limited list to even the ones in our Bible. They're, it's just that, that when the Spirit turns up, things change. The other T then was this idea of being deep. In unity, like being a church who pursue, like, in, almost with aggression, like if, something's, if there's disunity in the church, if there's something that's causing us to feel uncomfortable with one another or the church as a whole, we will not tolerate it. We will press in eagerly, like Ephesians said, and we will be those who desperately pursue unity till it's exhausted, till you've tried everything to restore broken relationships. That deep unity, but the wide is the, the thing I'll talk on today as well, which is wide in community. I mean wide, you know, like right out to Zimbabwe and beyond. Wide in community, um, locally as well. We'll come back to that in a bit, locally and globally. Terry Virgo, in his book, um, Spirit-Filled Church, described prophecy as, spontaneous was a word often used, but he said this as well, revelation and clarity of God's purpose for their time. So when prophecy comes to the church, if God has brought something, it's for the time we're in, and it calls for a response. I mean, what's, what would be the point? God's not just informing. He's saying, this, this is what I want you to hear at this time. A time like this, if you know the story of... Ruth, have I got that one right? I get my Ruth and my Esther always mixed up. don't know, Esther. A time like this. What's going on in the nation and the towns and globally at this time? And how do we respond? I believe God has spoken. And we should take such treasure in that, that he has chosen to speak... Not something that, oh, that's nice, Andy said something. and It's very hard not to talk about this and sound like I'm trying to big myself up. Please, no, I'm not. I'm trying to say, I f- believe God has spoken to us, and we need to respond. Because it weighs heavily enough on me to say, I need to push it one more time. And I think if we'd known in advance, we would have called this, get a life, the two T's of Christ first. You know, it had something about it that came at the right moment. We've been trying to do a preaching plan now for about six months, and it keeps getting disrupted by God and it seems to be well no you're not there yet we might get to Hebrews one day but but you're not there yet do this okay well we'll be obedient we'll do that and then when we do it it seems to fit in with what's going on around us we need to respond there's a call to go deeper under the word eagerly desire the breadth of the spirit pursue unity and reach out the question on that is have you tried have I tried or have I said, that was nice, and I kind of remember what he said and done nothing since? Because if God has spoken and we don't respond, and he speaks through the word, I mean, what I brought was not at odds with scripture, so it's in scripture anyway, what he was asking us to do. Have we tried a little bit and then with the Bible? Three days, one day, maybe not at all, now, now it's gone again. Go again. Go again. No child has ever ridden a bike by falling off it once and going... <laughs> No person has ever learned a language by trying a few words and falling. Literally falling in the language. Swim. Did we drown on the first attempt and never try again? No, we learned how to swim. I want to embrace the childlike nature of us that says, look, if things don't work the first time, I will go again because this is worth it. Driving a car, learning a language. For some reason, I've tried several times to juggle. I've given up. I think, you know, it's that. I want to get back and try that. But none of this is that important, is it? Compared to the Word of God and digging in, compared to pursuing the gift of the Spirit, compared to pursuing unity, compared to pursuing community. If these things we've tried already and they haven't really worked out yet, do we just stop? I pray not. I pray we go again. So today we're going to go on to the second T. We're going to run over a little bit today. I'm sure that's fine. We had to f- cram a few extra things in, but I'm sure that's going to be fine. But I want to come back to this second tea. I'll, I'll, I've spoken about unity, so let me, let me move on to community. This challenges me a lot, this idea of community. And I think because I need to change quite a lot of what I'm doing. And when scripture comes and You feel God's saying something in a preach now for today. I look at it and I'm going, a lot of this is to me, but I believe it's to us as a church. So I'm not preaching, preaching from the front saying, you guys need to do this stuff. I'm saying we need to think and respond about this. This call to community is about local and global. It's about local and global. It's about the international community as we've just prayed for. And what can we do there? But it's about the local community, the streets, the places we work, the schools we go to, the forums of people we meet. What can we do there as well? This idea of we need to get a life was about L love, compassion for your neighbours. I invite invite people into your home. The F and the E are foster and engage. So locally and globally, foster and engage. I'm going to root this in a couple of scriptures. Um, Am I clicking here? Let me see if... There we go. Matthew 28, 18 to 17. The Great Commission. 28, 18 to 17. I'm reading from the NIV version here. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Great Commission, amazing scripture. Um, That's what it's generally called, the Great Commission. It's a call to go to the nations. And we are part of the outworking of someone hearing that and saying, "I will." therefore we will go. This was given to the disciples, but obviously the others that followed, look, it's to the end of the age, so it wasn't just for 11 to get out there and do it. It would never have happened if it was just 11. So it was therefore, there will be people sent to keep going and going and going and eventually get to Watford, eventually get to the shores of England and get the gospel to Watford. I don't know what Watford looked like those many years ago, But picture it in your mind. I don't know if it was a hamlet or nothing or a bunch of rocks, but there was no gospel of Jesus Christ here. It was not here. Because of a faithfulness to this call, it came here and you heard it. Because people did what they were asked to do by Jesus. The gospel went out. We're a long way from Galilee to Watford. Therefore... We've just prayed for Matt that we can do like that type of sending, that he would go out and help bring the gospel to parts of rural Zimbabwe where the gospel maybe has been heard, but there needs to be a much more deepening and strengthening of what they understand because they're coming up like an ancient culture that's got lots of different things that are going on. You know what? Cultures with lots of different ideas of what it means to be spiritual, that's Watford. But it's true of rural Zimbabwe, too. So we send him out to reach the surrounding nations and the work he will do in mercy ships that we pray in the future, too. But the nations need... They're out there to be reached, and they're right here to be reached. We are one of the nations that needs to be reached. I would argue we've gone backwards so far now we could be on the list of like critical nations to hear the gospel and also in reality because of the multicultural nature of Watford you know you haven't seen people for a while if you go to shopping but if you go to Tesco and you listen to the accents and the languages being spoken the nations are actually right here you know they're walking around Tesco right now so I, but i believe we need to put that great commission to go globally with the call to act also locally and so i want to add or not add if you like but partner up that, that Sermon on the... So it's not Sermon on the Map, but Matthew 28. Um, statement by Jesus, the Great Commission, with this from 1 Peter 2. I'm going to read 1 to 4 and 9. and Put that alongside. Global. Now let's listen to this one. And look at how this links that two Ts thing together that I shared earlier. Look at what's in here. About deep in the Spirit... Sorry, deep in the Word, wide in the Spirit, deep in unity, wide in community. So put away all malice... All deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. I Put it aside. Bring unity. Like newborn infants who long to pursue spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tested that the Lord is good. That's word and spirit right in there for me. Coming off of milk to solid food is like a deepening of our understanding, and it's spiritual food too. There's spiritual and there's the word working side by side in there. This is the bit you've got to listen to, though. But you, that is everyone, us, we are, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim broadly in community the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous marvelous light. That call is resting on everyone who believes. We're living stones a spiritual house, a royal priesthood. And what are we supposed to do? Say, thank you. No, it says, you are called to proclaim of his excellence or his excellencies. So we need to ask ourselves like, tough questions. I need to ask myself like, genuinely tough questions. Like, Do I do that? How often do I proclaim of his excellencies? Well, I do it a lot in here, but what about out there? The toughest questions we need to ask ourselves, and I include me, of course, is when's the last time... I shared the gospel with someone. When's the last time I actually discussed Jesus dying for me? When's the last time I asked someone about their eternal destiny? Or for me in particular, and I want to come back to this in a little bit, when's the last time I asked someone, well, if not Jesus, what have you got? If it's not Jesus, what do you have that answers these deep questions we have? And we have to be realistic and honest In this culture, in this town and the surrounding towns that we live in, we're quite geographically dispersed across Watford and the surrounding towns. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? I mean, I ask myself that genuine question. Schools, the religious education teacher, not a chance. Can't even, not even allowed to say, look, here's all the stuff, but Jesus is the one. They're not going to say that. not even allowed to say it anymore. They did when I went to school, but they don't anymore. I'm that old. I was born in 1966, by the way. Just make <laughs> 55 years of hurt and 55 years ago. Um, is a local vicar or a pastor going to tell them the gospel? Well, when? What, Easter when they might turn up? Christmas when they might turn up? And if they do, do they hear the gospel or do they hear the Easter-y stuff and the Christmassy stuff? Is that where it's going to happen? Rarely. Christian TV like songs of praise. Christians watch that. Non-Christians don't watch songs of praise. A very tiny percentage. What about Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram and TikTok? No, come on, give me a break. That's just a barrage of information. That's the gospel up against cats. No offence. Epic fails. All I get on my feed on Facebook now, because I'm sadly a bit twisted in my head, is more and more videos of epic fails, because that's what I look at epic fails of people falling over on ice and doing ridiculous things. People cutting down a tree with a chainsaw underneath them, thinking, Are you serious? And then suddenly, the, you know, they fall to the. I mean, and of course, because Facebook being Facebook and big grump and stuff, you know, it just sends me more of those. And versions of it's coming home. Anyway. <laughs> but the reality of sharing the good news of God and his son is on us. It's on us. Because it isn't going to work through any of those mediums anymore. And I don't know if we can. I don't know if I can. I don't seem to have it in me as a natural thing. Well, praise God for Isaiah 61, 1-2. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you. Upon me, Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison of those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord can be upon us to anoint us to do this. We have this message of the good news. The Spirit of God will help us. A message of hope and truth. Hope and truth, and in a broken world, where every one of us, because I can remember it so well, and I, I don't think I was unique, I think I'm just representative of all humanity. This is a dangerous thing to think, if you just think you are, but I think I was. I was fine, I, I had a reasonable, okay-ish life. Moments of disappointment and pain, but in my tw- early 20s, I was okay, but, but I felt something was just not right. But I felt uneasy, I didn't really believe in God, but I thought, something is not Right. I'm never really settled. I'm never really at peace. And then so- somehow, I can't even tell you exactly how, start to hear about God, think about him again. Someone introduces me to Jesus and said, you know what, you want a relationship with God? I'm thinking, actually, yes, I, I think I do. Well, you're going to need to find a way because let's talk about you know, where you are with God. You've been sticking the finger up at him for years and ignoring him, and now you want a relationship with him. You've sinned against God, haven't you? I'm like, oh, no, not really. Well, yes, maybe yes. Well, then that's going to have to get forgiven. And then they told me about Jesus and his sacrifice to bring me back to a relationship with God. And I made that commitment. It didn't happen in days. It took months, if not probably years, from the beginning to the end. But I remember the day. Best decision I ever, ever made. Because it doesn't mean everything's now peachy and fine, but I understand what I'm looking for. I'm looking for eternity with God. I'm looking for that relationship to go on after this life. It began, my eternal life with God began the moment I gave my life, and it continues on. God offers Jesus and says, here you go. Here's the thing that will pay the price, that keeps you separated from me. Believe in me, believe in that. I'll welcome you back, and then we'll walk together. The best news you could possibly give anyone you care about is the message of eternal life. And Romans 10 then asks this difficult question. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? No one's heard anymore. It's realistic to say I was watching Clarkson's Farm... Weren't we last night? And they actually asked the guy who drove a tractor, "Have you? Do you know what the Bible is? Have you ever read it?" He went, "No." He said, "I'm Moses as Clarkson. I'm Moses as he stood before a lake." And he went, "Who's he?" That's the reality of where we're living. That's the reality. They, even if people know the Bible. They know about Jesus. How will they believe if they haven't heard? As I said before, there's virtually no place now where people will hear about Jesus in the ways it used to happen. We are a nation to be reached again. Isaiah 6.8 says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. These questions do need to be answered. If we're going to reach the nations globally... Like Matthew twenty-eight, in the midst of a call to respond and proclaim to God's excellencies locally, at one Peter two. In fact, I think I even listed it out. There you go. The questions are: in answer to that, Romans ten, Isaiah six calls. Is it me you're going to send? How are people going to hear? Take the gospel to the nations. Some of us will do that. Matt will help in that Matthew 28 proclaim the gospel locally all of us called to do that not all of us all of us sorry about that typo anointed by the spirit with God's help let me just spend five minutes or so on foster and engage I just want as a broad topic I know but what do we mean by foster and engage foster invest in the relationships you have already like foster as in not like take on new, but foster, as in you know, foster a good relationship. I ask God now to just place someone on your mind. Put someone. You know, close your eyes if you want to hear it at home, and just go right. Think of someone that you know. You're thinking, I'm desperate for them to know Jesus. He would. He would make such a difference in their lives. Think of that person in the light or what Aaron shared weeks ago, and what actually was in the Psalms, if you're keeping up with your Psalms, but this morning, don't think of them as someone who's just got it all wrong, but think of them as a sheep without a shepherd, lost in a wilderness of uncertainty, over-information, uh, which turns into darkness in the end when there's too much coming in. I firmly believe, I've said this before, everyone has a belief system, everyone has a faith. They've just decided themselves how this thing all works. I've got a friend who's an atheist, she's a really intelligent lady, lovely lady, doesn't believe in God. Every time we go out for dinner, somehow she steers the conversation to it. And I remember years ago, I was saying, well, we had, it was lighthearted, but it's like, well, what happens after you die then? I said, what, what, what do you believe? And this is my thing about asking people, what is it you actually believe? And she went, well, we kind of, we, we, we're, we're, we're floating around. I'm like, where'd you get that from? I don't know, just kind of, that's what I feel. I'm like, well, you just made something up. There's nothing in there that's real. That's just a, that's kind of just a media, kind of filmy, kind of floating around thing. It's easy to have these conversations. Ask people about that stuff. You know what people believe goes on after life. That's say, hey, have you seen the BBC TV show Ghosts? It's really funny. What do you think? I mean, it's easy to have these because everyone has a theory. Some say nothing, but it's still a belief system. And no doubt, if they're any kind of a friend, they'll go, "What do you believe then?" Of course, like, okay. I'll take it. Now, am I going to ram the gospel? You need Jesus. What? I'm just asking you about ghosts. No, but, but we start that conversation. We can ask questions like that. I'm just curious. What do you think? If we have friends and acquaintances, they all believe something. Let's find out what they believe. To do that, we need to foster relationships. Our calling is not to ram the gospel down people's throats. Our calling is to walk with people on the journey towards Christ. I remember that happening for me. Now, for some people, I've seen that happen in like 10 seconds flat. But most of the time, it's actually a journey over weeks and months, maybe even years. That verse that I put up there in Luke 10 is that calling to say, look, love the people around you. The greatest commandment, this argument that someone had asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? and What does it take to be saved? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and... You, your neighbour as yourself. He said, like, like, you got all this, but I'm just giving, like, without you get thinking, yay me! It's like, and everyone around you. Love your neighbour as yourself. The greatest commandment. That love cannot be any greater demonstrated than trying to help someone save their eternal soul. That's the greatest demonstration of love we can ever offer. We can, obviously, we should love and help people in difficult circumstances, but the saving of their eternal soul must be the deepest thing we'd love to give to someone, which is not easy. And I I can't get into it today, and maybe there's a preacher about 10 years ago, and I did this, we can dig out. But I want to at least remind us or show you, if you don't know, about the Engel scale. Now, some people like this, some people don't. I do like it. The point of this scale, if you look at it closely, is it talks about someone's journey towards Jesus, journey towards salvation, and then journey on into maturity as a Christian. And it says, look, you start with no awareness of God. That's a reality we have to face. Quite a lot of people have no awareness of God, or what they've got is social media and a few other things. Some awareness of God. That happened to me. I remember it happening. Then contact with Christians. Remember that? What a weird bunch they were. But I kind of made me curious. But you believe? Interest in Jesus. You believe in Jesus? As a what? And and that journey. Now you can be amazing at two, three, four, five, six. One of these. You may be an incredible theologian and really strong and able to really help someone grasp truth and walk them through Scripture. Fantastic. But you've got to engage at the beginning, so you may be the person that's the contact with Christians one. These are all parts of that journey, and we can all play a role in that. The thing I enjoy about, I like about this way of thinking about it, is it helps us not to think, I just have to get to like 10 as fast as I can. That's the... I know there's many people I will have spoken to over the years, and many people you will have over the years, you may never know that day when they did give their lives to Christ. And that's not why we do it. But I imagine they'll say, well, it started over here, and then you will be part of that story. Or you may be there, and I have a couple of times, been at the privileged moment of 10, but not often. Investing in people and fostering relationships is critical, and this is part of the way I think we can look at how we do it. Okay, let me just talk briefly on engage, and then we're going to respond in prayer. Engage, really, for me, is one thing. Bursting the Christian bubble. I think we've all had enough of bubbles, right? <laughs> 16 months of bubbles. It's just, like say, bubbles are now not something we want. Let's burst the Christian bubble. And this is about engaging with the people around us we do not know. Putting ourselves outside of this bubble. Now, we are in literally like right now we're kind of bubbling in a way but the trouble is and I'll speak for myself and then I'm sure others will nod the longer you go on as a Christian the less and less non-Christians I know the more and more Christians I know and that becomes my bubble of people I hope I don't go over too much today but I'm just going to keep going and you can log off if I'm boring you you in the room have to just stay and suffer um five more minutes give me some grace um I, was, I, was, I woke up the other night, Jamie remembers. I woke up, I had cramp in my leg, in the front of my leg. I'm getting to that age when you have like weird muscle pains in strange positions. Cramp's there. It's like I'm used to them there, but not there. And I'm up and it's not going. So I'm walking around the room. And I'm looking around the room and I get back into bed and they go again. And I'm up, down, and I can't sleep. And I'm laying there thinking, why is this room so bright? Why is there so much light in this room? It's getting on my nerves. Now you're thinking, oh, he's going to do a Jesus moment. And that wasn't. <laughs> laying there, I'm thinking, why is lighting up the room so much? It was this, this is the phone by my bedside. That's the light on it, it's that screen. It's tiny. This little screen, this little light of mine, lit up the room on its own. My point was, I felt like, yes, thank you Lord, to remind me, in the darkness we are to be light. A little bit of light in a dark place makes a massive difference. We are called to be light. And we need to get ourselves in situations where there is no light of Christ. That means we need to get out of the bubble. Where in this room right now, literally, this is making no difference with all this light. All you guys, this light. My little light is not making a huge difference in here. My light out there makes a big difference. Burst the bubble. Join a club. Suggest a course in the upcoming series. Find some way of meeting new people. I'm indebted to Steve Leonard. Hope you're watching, Steve. Thank you. He invited me to play golf. I've not played golf for three years because it takes too long, especially when you're as bad at it as we were. Five and a half hours. It was just, went on forever. We got soaked. But I'm indebted to him because he invited me and I met two guys I would never meet in any other situation. I thought that's probably the best five hours I've invested in, in a long time. Did I say to him, hey, I'm Andy. Do you know about Jesus? No, I just was... Fun, witty, charming, you know I'm going to be that. But I was just enjoying my time with them, thinking at some point, I hope that we'll do it again. And next time, I'll get in a buggy with one of them. And we'll talk. And we'll get to know each other. And maybe somewhere on that scale, I might start moving them. I'm indebted to him for that. But it reminded me, I need to do more of that. And I usually say, I'm too busy, I don't have time. I never have ever got five and a half hours spare. Ask my wife. Our message are saying, I'm not going to be home for dinner. We've lost every ball we've hit. <laughs> but we had these conversations, and it was a great start. Put ourselves out there. Be friendly, be positive. In his notes to me on this preacher, um, Aaron referenced the deep philosophical messages of the penguins of Madagascar. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Just be that happy person who's like, you know what? I mean, in the golf, there's so much foul language going around and clubs being hit in the ground. I'm just like, hey, that's just golf, guys. i thinking, inside. But I'm still smiling and waving because I want to be the light in a dark place. I want to end with a scripture from the message. I don't usually use the message, but I think this is a good one from this. It says this in Colossians 4, 5 to 6. Use your heads as you live and work. I think it's important. Remember, we work in dark places, we go to school in dark places, university, we are in dark places to work. So look at this, use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Don't miss a trick, make the most of every opportunity and do what? Shove the gospel down their throat. No, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not to put them down, not to cut them down, amen. Right, I want to call us to respond, and it's one of those terribly coercive response things that some pastors do, which is I ask you, do you want prayer? To which the answer feels like you're forced to say yes, but I don't care because I think this is important. So I'm just going to log in on my laptop as well, which will probably cause loads of technical issues, but um, I want to make sure that people at home on Zoom have an opportunity to respond as well. So. Hello, if you're looking on the other screen. There's just, I've just appeared on screen, and I've probably appeared as the Smiths. I want to give you the chance to respond. In the room, and on Zoom. So, here's what I want to do. Would you like to have blessed feet? That's what I mean. Would you like to carry the good news, the good news of God's love and his saving son, Jesus, Regardless of whether you feel equipped to do it or not, would you, would you want that? Would you want the help of the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord to anoint you, to bring good news to the poor, to send you to bind up broken-hearted people, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to set captives free? It's a pointless question, I know. But I'll ask you in the room, if you do, Stand. If at home you want to, I know this is probably the most challenging thing you've ever heard for months. Turn your camera on. Turn your camera on so I can see you. Or turn your camera off if you don't want prayer. But turn your camera. I don't care what your hair looks like or where you are. Turn your camera on so as I'm praying I can see you because you can probably see me. Thank you, guys. Here on this other camera. Let me just make sure you can. So This is now Pastor Cam. Okay. (laughs) Hopefully you can see me there as well. I want to pray over us all. So stand in the room, come off, um, put your camera on, on online. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for what we did earlier, sending Matt to the nations. Now we're going to ask, Father God, that you would send us into work, into school, into clubs we've never been in before, into situations we've never been in before, because we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood a people of your possession. We want to proclaim your excellencies in whatever situation you want to place us in, Father. We pray that you would use us, Father God. We are standing, we are turning on our cameras and saying, yes, send me. I don't know if I've got any of the equipment needed, but send me. I'll do one to ten, ten, three, whatever on that scale, I'm going to overplay that as a thing, but Father God, would you send us? I pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here saying, right, I'm going to do something with that. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go and foster a relationship that's become perhaps not, you know, maybe it's dry or maybe it's just one I think, yeah, I feel really compassionate now to foster that relationship, to have those conversations with a friend or a relative or someone I know. But I'm also going to do something and put myself in positions where there's people I've not met, or where there is just darkness, the gospel has not been spoken, or there's opportunity. Father God, would you send us? I pray that you would give us that Boldness to put one foot in front of the other. And I pray, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, come upon us now. Anoint us to bring good news. Anoint us to bring good news, I pray. For everyone at home, on Zoom, everyone here in the room who's standing. Anoint us to be those that would take good news. Give us that spirit of boldness that is so needed. Strangely, but it is to have conversations with people. that Just start the discussion about Jesus. It gets them somewhere towards finding out about the Saviour King. It gets them somewhere to finding out that God is real and he loves us. Anoint us, we pray, Father God. In this season of change, as opportunity will now present itself to go out again, I pray that we would go out, Father, and look for those that need to hear the good news. Look for those that need just to be come alongside and walked with. And we pray you into that situation, God. Bless us, we pray. Anoint us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Thank you so much.